0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Father-Son Packers podcast, your source for Packers news, notes, and analysis. My name is Tommy, and we have a bit of a different setup today, so apologies for any differences in audio quality. We are recording on a joint mic in person because of some traveling stuff. But anyways, my name is Tommy. I'm one of your hosts, as always, and I'm joined by my co-host, my dad, Matt. Dad, how are you doing?
1: Doing all right. Yeah, we're here at recording together in person. We are... Bringing you this sweet, sweet Packers content after 10 hours of driving today. Yes.
0: So, you know, we got so much energy for this Packers content. Uh, We're going to be today discussing uh, a little bit about the 53-man roster. Uh, Because we were traveling, we unfortunately weren't able to put that podcast out yesterday like we had hoped. But we have some moves today that kind of make maybe this podcast a little more relevant. So, you know, there are some pluses and some minuses for sure. But yeah, so we're going to discuss a little bit about the 53 man roster, what we thought about it, whose predictions were closer. Uh, we'll have to, you'll have to wait till the end to see who ended up having the more accurate, uh, 53 man roster in the end. But yeah, so lots to talk about. Um, before we get into any of that though, just wanted to pitch a couple of things. If you like what you heard here today, uh, come give us a follow on Twitter at FatherSonPacker. Uh, we tweet out when we have new episodes, articles we find interesting, pieces of Packers news, um, videos, clips, everything you can find, everything you would want to find Packers related, you can find on our Twitter. Once again, that's at FatherSonPacker. especially with the season coming up and starting in just 10 days now, uh, it'd be a great place essentially to have a one stop shopping for all things Packers. And then if you like what you heard here in the podcast format, um, come subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You can find us on any platform, even YouTube. We put all our episodes out there as well. If you subscribe to us on YouTube, that would really help our numbers and we would really appreciate it. But yeah, uh, thank you so much. Those are all the pitches. But dad, let's get into a little bit of the news for the Packers today. Um, And really from the past week, I think the biggest thing was... uh, A former (laughs) UW-Wisconsin running back, um, Jonathan Taylor. And just to kind of give anyone who has been under a rock or not detrimentally online a bit of a timeline rundown of the situation, Jonathan Taylor, a disgruntled star running back for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, So on Wednesday, Stephen Holder of ESPN reported that the Packers were the quote-unquote mystery team uh, interested in trading for Jonathan Taylor. The, the, the mystery second team. Yes, the mystery because, second team. Because there were there was also
1: already known that the Dolphins were in negotiations.
0: Yes. So Stephen Holder of ESPN reported the Packers were interested, which was certainly very surprising. Later that day, uh, Ryan Wood uh, reported that sources told him that those discussions never rose beyond the scout level, although Holder uh, reported that the interest from the Packers was... Legitimate and definitely very present, and uh, a serious interest in acquiring him. However, it does seem that the Colts' asking price was not exactly based in reality, as it was reported that they had requested from the Dolphins uh, Jalen Waddle plus, which. If you know who Jalen Waddle is, that was pretty much a non-starter, I'm sure, for the Dolphins. Uh, Brian Gutekunst, later, when asked in the press conference about Jonathan Taylor, pretty much just gave the old, oh, can't talk about players and other teams, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but then today, on Thursday, Josina Anderson reported that sources had told her that both the Packers and Dolphins, uh, but more interestingly, the Packers for our uh, our purposes, we're willing to give Taylor a new contract that would make him one of the highest-paid running backs in the league. So that is very interesting because when you look at the Packers roster, uh, AJ Dillon's going to be a free agent in 2024, and Aaron Jones is turning 30 next year and is That's kind a,
1: of a big contract for next year as well. And it'll be his, it'll be his like eighth year in the league. Next year's it's seventh this coming year, right? I think uh, that maybe sounds right next year. But it, this whole story. Just reeks of spin by the Colts that like they said, oh, Taylor, you can get a you're free to pursue a trade. So he may have said, oh, I'm interested in the Packers since I played in Madison. And they're like, okay, we'll talk to the Packers. And oh, we we talked to them. We asked for all their all the stars. They said no. And so I guess we can't trade you to them.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different angles on this. From a From a Colts and Taylor perspective, I definitely do think it seems like this, oh, we're giving you the option to go seek a trade, was not exactly done in good faith, in my opinion, especially when you look at what they were asking for from the Dolphins. We didn't even know what they were asking for from the Packers, which I'm sure it was completely ridiculous. Um, although I did see someone like posit that, you know, could there be a... a do the Packers have offensive linemen that the Colts might be interested in? That was something that was kind of positive, but I I didn't look any further into how the cap maneuverings of that would work because I think that was also a problem is that in order for the Packers to take on Taylor, they would also need to give him a new contract because the cap hit this year would be. Um, yeah. And I think n- it
1: wouldn't work. I think Ken Ingalls had a rundown of, the, of some stuff they would maybe have to do like um, giving Ge- um, Gary his extension to open up cap since he's, on his uh, fifth year option this year, they could actually reduce this year's hit by extending him. But um, but just because the Packers are willing to sign Taylor to a lar- to a, a new contract and extend him, that doesn't mean they're necessarily willing to pay what the Colts were asking in any way, shape, or form.
0: And also, I'm not entirely sure that the Packers would be willing to give a contract of that nature. I think that also kind of smells like his agent trying to pump up his value um in my opinion that's kind of what it sounds like to me is like oh look at all these other teams are totally willing to to give him this massive contract like like these like tons of teams are lining up out the door to to give taylor a ton of money um and then
1: the the dolphin i'm sorry the colts and their side saying well look you know if you were really this valuable they'd be trading this stuff for you it's definitely a, a lot of back and forth going
0: on yeah and i think it's a lot of posturing really and there's really no way of knowing um it is important to note, though, that while this trade did not happen, Taylor is still able to be traded. He still missed the first four games of the right. season because he is on PUP. Which is the other thing that happened like just before the deadline. They decided
1: not to activate him, um, but to leave him on, on PUP before a cutdown, so he has to miss the first four, first four weeks of the season.
0: Yeah, but so hypothetically, the Packers could still trade for him. And so that if that smoke is real... We might not be done with this story yet, so keep your ears tuned.
1: Presumably, the asking price will continue to go down if it happens later in the year.
0: Yes. But um, beyond Mm -hmm. that, though, there is (laughs) some other pieces of Packers news that are probably more substantive, and that is that today, Jordy Nelson and Josh Sitton were enshrined in the Packers Hall of Fame, which is very exciting. Um, Some good news for them, so I'm just kind of—some more— Less confusing news, I guess. More straightforward news for the Packers. But, Dad, that's pretty much the only real news and notes uh, in Green Bay right now. Um, The only other thing to really talk about is what we're here to talk about today, the 53-man roster. Now, you might notice in our feed, we have broken down the first and second preseason games for the Packers, but we do not have an episode dedicated to the third preseason game. In our opinion, the game against the Seahawks was a bit nondescript. Um, If you want, like, a brief rundown, in my opinion, I thought Jordan Love... Probably throwing the football had one, I think both preseason games one and two were better. Um, but in game three, I think he did, he showed his, the most amount of athleticism he had showed so far in any of those games in terms of evading pressure, having to move in the pocket, having to move outside of the pocket, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Uh, Beyond that, the only other items of note were that Malik Heath, um, got the start in place of Romeo Dobbs, who had a hamstring injury, so that's something to keep in mind uh, looking forward. And we'll be talking about all that injury-related news next week when we do our pregame pod for the game ten, just 10 days away, season opener against the Bears. Very exciting. Um, but yeah, so that we felt that the Seahawks game was a bit nondescript and that this episode might be a bit better used talking about the 53-man roster, which is more current news and really was all these preseason games we're building to anyways. Um, and we'll have... Plenty to talk about. We'll probably be referencing the preseason games a little bit when we talk about our pregame pod um, next week for the Bears. And starting next week, we'll uh, be starting to do two episodes a week. So keep an eye out for that. But, Dad, 53-man roster-wise, let's get into it. Um, Some things to keep in mind, uh, just as a bit of an overview. Um, Position-wise, the Packers kept two quarterbacks, three running backs, six receivers, four tight ends, ten offensive linemen five defensive linemen, six edges, four inside linebackers, four corners, and six safeties. And that is not the initial 53. What we are basing this off of is their 53 as of today, after all these moves have been finalized, so to speak. So um, that is not including uh, Luke Tenuta, who was put on IR, Jonathan Ford, who was cut after initially making the 53, Tariq Carpenter, who was cut after initially making the 53, um, etc. So that's just something to keep in mind there. Um, But as an overview... uh, this is, and some of these numbers are from Wes Hodkowitz, who uh, works for Packers.com. Um, this is the most edges kept by a Matt LaFleur Packers team. Um, another piece of interesting, new uh, an- another interesting item to note is they have kept four tight ends every year for the Packers under LaFleur. While they originally had three, they did sign Ben Sims um, off of, or they claimed him off of waivers, uh, I should say. Um, an additional tight end. He had been with the Vikings originally and had been released by them and then was picked up by the Packers. And we'll talk more about him later and uh, as well as some other new um, Packers. Uh, and then Four Corners is the fewest that they've had under LaFleur. And the, and the only time they've had that few. The, and the
1: other thing about this, so O-line is like tied for the most with 10. That's other, though they started with 11, which they'd never done, Yes, maybe never done before. But then to, um, yes, went straight... To, to IR, as everybody expected, because when he first got her said, it's a long-term injury, but not season-ending. Clearly, they didn't think it was season-ending, since they went through this little, uh, you know, trick to get him onto a four-week IR and not season-ending IR.
0: Yeah, and we'll be getting into that a little bit more. And then the other thing that I thought was interesting was, you know, so many people were like, oh, they're definitely only going to keep two running backs. Um it's very unlikely that they keep 3 one, one of those one of those people's right here yep and uh, i also had them keeping two but when you look at over the past few years they have kept only kept two last year previously they have kept 3 4 and 3 in the three previous years in 2021 2020 and 2019 so it does seem like you know that two last year was kind of a special circumstance in that they thought that they could get Taylor back on the practice squad last year and they could and then they have Taylor back on the practice squad this year. But Emmanuel Wilson, undrafted free agent, um makes the uh uh team for the Packers as well as Malik Heath um and Brenton Cox. So three undrafted free agents to continue the streak for the Packers, which is very exciting. But that let's start going position by position since we're already starting to talk about some specific players and let's start with quarterbacks. Uh I think we can breeze through this one. <laughs> like- This is this is like the 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 smallest surprise
1: of the I think of the whole thing. I don't think anybody expected them to have more than two, and we'd
0: already basically been told that Clifford was the backup, so we already knew that Love and Clifford were going to be the two quarterbacks. Yes, so Love and Clifford were the two quarterbacks. I don't think we really need to do much discussion here. I think I have one note about this chalk. Chalk. That's all I wrote, and I, I think you know I think Clifford really earned this backup spot. Um, he was so much better than I expected in the preseason. He was, you know, uh, I, I, he was not
1: lacking in confidence. He was he, he bounced back from mistakes. Um,
0: and, he, and his arm was better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I, I I, mean, he had a very good preseason. Um, and, you know, it did pretty much everything they asked of him. Uh, beat out Danny Etling almost immediately And, you know, ever as pretty much as soon as they cut Etling was like, okay, so Clifford's the number two And it was he was the number two in all but official naming And then that happened last uh, week And it was writing on the wall But, Dad, let's move on to running back Where we have something a little more interesting Like we were mentioning earlier I mean, obviously, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon Were going to get those top two spots Last year, they were the only two running backs on the roster Like we were discussing But Emmanuel Wilson did you have this on your bingo card at the start of preseason training camp, uh, offseason? Well, certainly not at the start. Uh, and I was
1: early on in preseason. I was my guy for the number three spot. It didn't mean he was going to be on the roster, but for the number three running back was um, Goodson. Yes. Before we had seen Emmanuel Wilson play and knew what he could do
0: at whatever he is, uh, 25 pounds heavier yeah. than Goodson. And it's a shame for Goodson because I think, you know, if he hadn't gotten hurt, he might have still been able to compete for that third running back spot. But, I mean, Wilson just... I mean, this is, these stats are from Zach Cruz on Twitter. Wilson in the preseason led the NFL in rushing, led the NFL in forced missed tackles, had the longest run in the preseason, had, uh, tied for the lead for number of carries for 10-plus yards in the preseason. I mean, there was really... Not much more he could have done, and he really earned a spot. Um, this is a quote, quote from Brian Gudekinst from his presser. Quote, his growth and certainly where his upside is was certainly a part of the decision. And something to kind of keep in mind here is that, like we were saying uh, when we were discussing Jonathan Taylor, Jones and Dylan might not be on the team next year, and Emmanuel Wilson might be the only running back on on the roster in 2024 or is the only back currently on the roster that would be on the roster in 2024. Um, That's certainly a possibility. And so it seems like when he's discussing growth and upside, it kind of seems like he's another, he's a player and we'll talk about some players later where they're kind of looking at him for 2024 and looking at a lot of these players where they're keeping their eye on next year. And I think that kind of is something to keep in mind where they're adding a lot of players this year who are young, who might not contribute this year and Packers fans should keep that in mind. If they ever feel frustrated by errors of young players, I'm specifically thinking about, you know, uh, I think love will have some ups and downs that we'll keep in mind. I think just they're building towards 2024. there. hope uh, I think is what their goal is. Carlson is a big one at kicker. I think he's going to miss kicks. They're going to lose them games. Mm-hmm. And I think the Packers are, willing to deal with that now whether or not you yeah. agree with that is different but I think that that's just something to keep in mind and and you see it with Wilson we'll talk about it with Cox later where he's kind of buried on the depth chart right now but he has a more a bigger chance at a role in 2024 but that's kind of something with Wilson dad um kind of circle back there did you have anything that you wanted to yeah. add there or anything so, on what
1: I was just saying I think in general it seems abundantly clear that they are planning to live with mistakes for younger players Though could uh, good, good said we weren't trying to get younger, um, we were just trying to get you know, faster and more athletic. Though they're also trying to get cheaper
0: contracts. That's, that's see, to me, that's clear. like that's like saying we weren't trying to get younger. We were just trying to get players with later birth. Like, like okay, there's a, just a direct correlation between. But they also and got players athletic.
1: faster than some than the uh, the fastest those, some of the previous players ever were. That's fair. That's but they're fair. but they're willing to live with things like there are going to be drops, there are going to be missed blocks they are going to be missed kicks. There are going to be interceptions. And they're like, it's part of the growth process. I think we're going to have to live with it. That's and basically what
0: they've decided. Everything they've told us by action and words is that's what they are decided to live with. And the thing is, it's like they have a lot of dead cap this year. So And and so it's like it's kind of makes sense for this to be a see what you have in some of these young players. Let them develop together. Let love and the young receivers kind of develop a rapport and kind of go through the growing pains. And it, you know, it just makes sense. And then they'll have some cash to spend next year in free agency. Um, It just, you know, that kind of tracks for me. And that kind of leads into the circling back to Emmanuel Wilson. It kind of makes sense to keep a guy who has shown a lot in the preseason, who they think has kind of grown a lot through camp, who would be cheap in 2024. It just, you know, that kind of tracks for like the overall, um kind of overall objective and overall like viewing of the roster through that lens, I guess. And I think we should try and, you know, keep that perspective throughout the season, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, you know, if, if, if love and the receiver aren't on the right page and love throws an out and the receivers hitting in, and it goes for a pick six, just deep breath. It's, it's all about just taking those lumps and getting better through them. Um, but that's the running back room dad. Anything else you wanted to um talk about there?
1: Yeah, so I was I must admit that I was a little surprised at him making it because I was expecting to as I said earlier. But you know, and I, what I would say is that I think they picked the guy who seems like the best runner out of the possible backups. Despite what everybody was saying about it's all about special teams play and you know, Blitz pick up and blocking. They picked the guy who was the best runner, um, and so it, it. Some some of it makes you think. Okay, they're planning for the future. Maybe in as early as twenty twenty four, he could be a top two back, and maybe not two, <laughs> on the team. On the team. On the team. On, oh, in the league? Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> well, but uh, and so th- at least they're they're. Thi- I I th- I suspect that's part of their thinking here. I think a lot of the players are actually testing out this year. They're testing them out for how good they could be when they have an even bigger role for the ones who aren't already starters in 2024. And, you know, when
0: you bring up the special teams aspect, you know, would you be entirely surprised if they inactive Wilson on game days and activate activate Patrick Taylor and just have Patrick Taylor up to play... I'm not I'm not even kidding. No, no. I have Patrick they've Taylor up this, to play special teams and just inact- deactivate Wilson and just uh Wilson's red shirt. Like, they just I, like him as a runner, but they think Patrick Taylor would... Contribute more this year, and so they'll activate Patrick Taylor for you a few games. Wilson probably won't see the field very much. It doesn't. It wouldn't surprise me at all. In fact,
1: I can't remember the situation, but I believe they have done this already on a numerous occasions. Now I'm trying call-ups. to remember. Um, it's do tough. any? Did they have any D linemen play last year instead of Ford? You Instead mean- of Ford, because Ford didn't play a single game. For oh. example, yeah, and I think there may be others like safeties or. Um, I think there've been cases where this has happened before. It's tougher. has been called. I, I can't. I, I remember thinking about this last year, although I can't recall it right now. But I would say, just speaking about a little bit of that last preseason game, that it's possible that uh, Emmanuel Wilson helped his cause with a a, a good pass pro rep in the last preseason game, and I think, and you can probably find that clip. Uh, Shared by Eddie Herman on Twitter.
0: Yeah, he was the one... I don't have access to the game some other way. He pointed it out, and that was where I had first noticed it, because he had pointed it out from the end zone angle, and you can really see it there, but, you know, it's something that's, you know, I don't think he's going to hit him 100% of the time, but he showed he was able to do it. 100% of the time? 50% 50 of of the time? time, It works every time. But that's the thing, is like, he showed he has the ability to do it, and... I feel like this is such a Matt LaFleur platitude, but, like, it's about consistency after that. Um, But anyway, uh, that's kind of all there is around the running backs. Definitely one of the bigger surprises in the rooms, but, you know, maybe it shouldn't have been. I mean, he tore apart the preseason. But let's move on to wide receiver, Dad. Um, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, Samori Touré, Malik Heath, and Dontavian Wicks make the team. Um, Six players there. Uh, my big takeaways are the fact that they kept Heath over Debose despite them both being rookies and they drafted Debose in the seventh round and Malik Heath was an undrafted free agent. Uh, this probably shouldn't be a surprise though, because it definitely seemed like Heath had kind of jumped to the depth chart as he started over Dobbs in the last preseason game against well, the Seahawks. He started in place of Dobbs. Yes. Over, over Toure. Um, yes. Thank you. That That's important to see. started in place of Dobbs with injury like we were talking about earlier when we were doing a brief talk about the Seahawks game. Um And they just seem to really like Heath. You know, DeBose got put a little bit behind the eight ball. He missed so much of the offseason with injury. Um, And they were able to get him back on the practice squad. So that's exciting that they're able to have both of them. But I think that's the big thing. And then my other big takeaway was the fact that Wicks was not put on short-term IR, which we were both a little concerned he might have been, which maybe indicates that, you know, maybe this hamstring injury is pretty minor. And hopefully he'll be back in a couple of weeks. Fingers crossed. Knock on wood obviously. But, you know, I thought that was good news that he wasn't put on short-term IR. Dad, what'd you think about the receiver room? Yeah. So I
1: was expecting seven, and but in uh, paired with only two running backs. So I think, you know, they, they kept a third running back and not a seventh wide receiver. though. And I had been thinking that because they took seven last year. But one thing more recently that I was realizing about last year is they kept seven, I think, more for the future because they knew they were they had several receivers who were had contracts ending that they weren't going to be bringing back. Like Lazard and Cobb, I think they feel like these guys are on their last year here. So we've got to prepare for the future. Now, everybody's in their first or second year. So everybody's got the, a future. So they're not planning for somebody to not to to basically like age out of the team, as it were, next year. Another thing I was thinking about in terms of keeping seven is I was practically expecting Wix to be put on short-term IR for the first four weeks. So they'd keep seven, he'd go to IR, and then they'd have six, like they've, is one of the more common numbers of wide receivers they've had. Um, so that's something
0: that I didn't really expect. And the other question I have now is, is, is is Heath wide receiver four now? Yeah, we were discussing this beforehand, and I think it really depends on who needs filling in for. I think if it's an outside receiver, it definitely seems like, as of right now, they would have Heath fill in in that spot. But I think if Jaden Reed were to miss time, I think they would have Samari Touré fill in in the slot. So I would say Heath is outside receiver three. um, But, you know, I think they view those positions a bit differently right now. And I think that Toure would take any slot snaps that were possibly missing. But I think it's a good note because, you know, Heath had a really good, um, like, offseason leading into training camp um, with, like, rookie minicamp, OTAs, and minicamp. And then kind of started started training camp, like, struggled a little bit, ran around route, dropped the ball, if you remember, um, when he was I, I having remember, reps with Clifford, I think I believe he, it, was. it was
1: like all the reports out of the spring practices that this guy looks amazing. And then the very beginning of training camp, he he
0: looked like he was struggling. He was like, oh, it's not carrying over. But then he, I guess, got his you know feet yeah, under him. He put it he put it back together, you know. Um, but yeah, so it's really exciting for him. I did you see the tweet about uh, he tweeted out about Madden? No, I missed the tweet about Madden. He he tweeted. Um, he uh, Wes Hochulitz had this. Uh, he was like. I I I'm on the 53 man like I'm in the game like I'm on the mm. roster I I loaded it up last night and I was throwing myself nothing but go balls like I'm still <laughs> living the dream. Um, is that how he found out he was on the 53? No. <laughs> I checked I checked on Madden and that's how I found
1: out I was on the 53. This could be the new way it's going that ros- rosters are going to be re- You know Madden I, would love it if this is the way rosters were released.
0: But you know it, uh, both <laughs> I mean, him Goldbein. both him and Emmanuel Wilson actually um Put out on their own Instagram and broke that they made the fifty-three. They did before the
1: team did. They, yes, that, that people were reporting. But
0: oh, it looks like he's made it. Like he's <laughs>
1: announced it himself. Yes, but um, and, and the other thing I was going to say about Heath is, you know, and, and I think probably helps him in getting onto the team is he seems to be embracing the goon role.
0: Yeah, what was it? Matt Lafleur called him that. He said he said we're we're missing. Uh, I think like he essentially like implied like you know without Lazard there they're going to need like another goon like another like. Tough guy who's going to do the dirty work. And I still remember that first game against the Bengals. He blocked a dude clean out of bounds about six <laughs> yards, which was awesome. Um, there were a fair number of people on, uh, uh, on social media like, oh, I think he just earned himself a roster spot. Yeah. He, I mean, I'm sure that woke the floor up like, right away. He said, oh, that's very interesting. <laughs> um, but anyway,
1: uh, besides that, though... That's, a, that's the meme of the guy standing behind the tree.
0: Ah, uh, yes. He's the <laughs> the rubbing his hands together, yeah. Um, but no, I I think... I think it definitely seems like. I, besides that, it wasn't really anything surprising. I'm glad they were able to get Debose back uh, on the practice squad because he, you know, yes. he had some nice moments in camp and a nice, nice moments in preseason. But he just, you know, just he had to struggle with so many injuries.
1: injuries. Yeah, and I did hear a little bit of speculation that he was given very little time in preseason game three to essentially hide him a little bit, just a little bit more, so that he'd be more likely to make it through waivers. Well, wasn't he,
0: was he held out of preseason game three? Well, I think he played a little bit. Uh, okay. Um, but anyway, uh, beyond that, though, Dad, do you want to move on to tight ends uh, where the Packers kept uh, Luke Musgrave, obviously, Josiah DeGuara, Tucker Craft, and then added Ben Sims. Uh, Dad, do you want to talk a little bit about Ben Sims? Yeah, so he was one of their two waiver claims. So the, the Packers put in three waiver claims and got two.
1: Ben Sims was uh, tight at Six, four, 250 pounds. Um, is a rookie from Baylor. He was originally signed by Minnesota, and so their wa- So Minnesota waived him, and they had given him like a hundred and ten thousand guaranteed um, as a um, as a UDFA, ten thousand bonus, and then hundred thousand guaranteed salary. So the Packers take on those guarantees by claiming it off of waivers. If he if he doesn't get claimed off waivers, then that guarantee is is null and void. He had a good pass blocking grade by PFF, so I think this as as a college senior, I think this is one of the things that the Packers were most interested in. So seventy six point one grade as for pass blocking has eight point four RAS with good speed um, and good good jumps both vertical and and uh, long jump, but poor agility and size kind of average for a tight end, not particularly huge as a like Mercedes Lewis style. Um, blocking tight end.
0: Yeah, and it seems like he was someone that they were definitely interested in. I mean, they brought him in on a top 30 visit pre-draft. Uh, he's a rookie. He was, draft- he was undrafted in this last draft. Um, and they're going to be paying him a good amount of money. They're going to be paying him $100,000, according to Andy Herman, um, despite, according to uh, Rob Domovsky, they only paid as much as 9000 guaranteed to any other undrafted free agent this year. Right. Um, and, and, and it the- should say They're paying him 100000 guaranteed.
1: Yes. The salary overall will be more if he's on the roster the whole year.
0: Yes. And that's more based on the contract that he signed with the Vikings. But the fact that they were willing to take on that amount of money really shows that they really liked him. Um, And it seems like a good move. You know, it doesn't seem like he's necessarily elite at any particular one particular thing. Uh, But it seems like, you know, he's kind of decent all around. Um, And, you know, should be a nice like depth piece going forward. You know, I think. I think Tucker Kraft, it seemed like in the preseason, was kind of volatile, especially as a blocker. You'd have some good reps blocking. You'd have some absolute whiffs. And so, you know, I think, you know, maybe there's a scenario where they play Sims a little bit more for the stability. But at the same time, it is a bit of a developmental year for most of the players on the roster. And they might just live with some of the ups and downs with Kraft. But, you know, you could see a scenario where they're like, okay... Like we need a we need a stabilizing force in the tight end room right now. Like we need we need a guy who's going to hit all of his blocks on the on the end line in in special teams, for instance. Like the block pat um the other day, like oh, that, that craft that craft. Whipped. I
1: think yes, he just didn't. It wasn't a Simon short, and that, when is my understanding, not that he got blown up on the block. Yeah, no, he just he just didn't he just didn't block but, him. But yeah, but we should say about this. He's not just a lumbering blocker. I mean, he's he's, he's got elite speed at four five eight in the 90, 95th percentile.
0: Yeah, but 40. But I think you know. I think he's a better blocker that the tech. I, I, I think they might trust him a little more as a blocker right now than craft, but we'll see, you know, I mean, we've, I think this is maybe a, a case of the, like the unknown is, is more enticing than the known. Cause we've seen craft kind of miss some blocks. Um, that is the story of almost all um,
1: professional sports and college sports. Like we're going with somebody who might be good, rather than somebody we know isn't.
0: Not that not that we don't think Kraft is good. It's just that yeah. right now Kraft is like struggled at times to block. But you know the, the other I also saw Dusty Evely post uh, uh a really great um uh clip of Tucker Kraft blocking on the on a, a run outside for Patrick Taylor which was awesome and and Dusty's a great follow. You got got to find him on Twitter if you're looking for anything Packers. I mean, he's he's just the best.
1: Um, but but I, but I would add you know, I didn't necessarily mean that uh, Kraft, they already say, think is no good. He, he's in the, we're adding this guy we think might be great. He's he's in the, we're adding guys we don't, we're not sure yet who could be great.
0: Yes, but uh, let's move on to the offensive line where the Packers uh, originally kept 11 before moving Tanuta to IR and now have 10. Uh, Josh Myers, Elton Jenkins, David Bakhtiari, John Runyon Jr., Zach Tom, Rashid Walker, Yash Nyman, Sean Ryan, Caleb Jones, and Royce Newman. Uh, pretty straightforward. I thought they might not keep Newman, but interior line is pretty thin for them right now. Um, and I would guess he's probably their tenth guy. And you know how many teams really have very many good tenth linemen? To be fair, um, but yeah, it was nice to be able to get to Nuda and on that short term IR and stash him. Uh, that was kind of. I didn't have many other thoughts. They're a little tackle heavy, but you know, their better players are tackles. So. Yeah, I, so even though I had Newman
1: on my own initial 53 prediction, I really didn't expect him to make it because he'd been playing so poorly in the preseason and seemed to be getting worse every, every year in the league. Um, but in the end, I think they just felt like they didn't have enough interior offensive linemen. They got whatever, like six tackles and... For, for interior offensive linemen, unless they start moving people around in multiple positions I mean, you to could,
0: make up for it? You could argue their third best interior lineman is a tackle. Their, like, third, their third best interior lineman is their second best tackle. Yeah, that's, that's probably fair. Which is
1: a little alarming, but actually you could argue that their second best interior offensive lineman is their second best tackle
0: uh yeah i guess you could make the argument that tom is better than john runyon jr but we haven't seen tom play that much interior line i think this is another case of the unknown <laughs> better than the known i would say john runyon jr is a better interior <laughs> lineman right now than zach tom i gotta i gotta see zach tom actually play with more play strength along the interior was, in an actual nfl game before i'm gonna say that i would but, say you can't say you can't say either way it is an unknown we've seen john I'm, runyon junior calling jr. it an unknown we've seen john runyon jr be a starting guard in the nfl for like Three years now so i i I don't think that's fair to him he's and he's only ever committed one penalty in his entire career, which is kind of crazy um but that's the line, not really much there uh they seem really high on caleb jones back to back years they have uh kept him on the fifty three despite him being more of a developmental guy um I, i've I've thought since the beginning of last year that he is
1: on the Josh Niman, uh path,
0: yes, and you know I think it's tough because You wonder if at his size he can ever really be a great run blocker. But they do seem to like him a lot. Um, But that's kind of it for the offense. Let's move on to the defense, uh, starting with the defensive line. Uh, Kenny Clark, TJ Slayton, Devontae Wyatt, Colby Wooden, Carl Brooks. Jonathan Ford initially made the 53 but then was uh, cut. Um, Any thoughts? I think this is pretty chalk. This uh, this There's not much much here to talk about for me. Yeah, I I was expecting six, which happened on the initial. I
1: was a little surprised they cut Ford. When they, uh, who, who the, that they, that he was one of the ones they, they chose to cut um, when they claimed two players from waivers. And he's not yet signed to the practice squad. Maybe, maybe he doesn't want to come back. Maybe they're still figuring out how to do it. And he wasn't, he made it through waivers and has not yet signed with the team. So we'll see what happens with that. Cause I thought he actually took a big jump this year. And it's not that they kept him on the, on the, That's the thing. on the roster all last year. And he wasn't, didn't look nearly as good didn't play a minute, wasn't active for a single game. And now when he finally
0: starts to play better, yeah, that's the thing. It doesn't, it doesn't really make sense to not have him back unless he feels like there might be better opportunities for him somewhere else. And it's weird because, you know, he wasn't as good in preseason games two or three as he was in preseason game one. I thought in the Bengals game, I was like, this is, this is a different player. I've never seen this guy before in my life, but uh, yeah, no. So it is a little odd. I think that that's a good point, but I, it makes sense the five they kept are i think a clear oh. cut ahead of ford is the thing like there those five are still a tier there's a tier break between the fifth one and ford still in my opinion yeah
1: it depends what you're looking for i would say That's i true. would say wooden and brooks have shown a lot of pass, pass rush juice um but ford is their only is He's like their their run stuffer that they don't have an, well, another. If they so this is this would be the argument for having him on the practice squad, where if Slayton or Kenny
0: have to miss some time, you
1: can't just have one nose tackle. On
0: well, the here's it's, the thing: he is big enough to play nose tackle. Are we sure he's that good a run defender? Because at the same time, like it's not like we've seen it really. Like like we're just saying, oh, they need him for run defense. It's like okay. But are we? Sh- we he, we can't say for certain he's actually he provides good at run he provides defense. a body type that the other players don't have. That is don't true. Have. He's a good like fifty to sixty pounds heavier than either Wood nor Brooks, which is a good point. Um, but let's move on to Edge, Dad, where I think this is one of the other more interesting um position battles or not position battles positions that they chose to go with because they went with six edges, which is a lot. Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Lucas Van Ness, Kingsley, J.J. and Nagbari. Uh, Justin Hollins and Brenton Cox um, Brenton Cox, dad One of three of us to make the team uh, One of the, uh, Another one of the guys that I think Is kind of a plan for 2024 type player Because right now he's Pretty much buried on the roster 6th I would not imagine he's going to be active On many game days He doesn't play much special teams um, But he's got a lot of pass rush juice He is has a high had a high pedigree coming out of high school. There's a lot of talent there. And next year with Preston and Hollins kind of possibly moving on, it definitely seems like this is a, you know, redshirt year, essentially for him. Yeah.
1: In some ways, I'm thinking of him a little bit as not an extra draft pick for this year, but an extra draft pick for next year, where he could potentially be edge four for the Packers. Cause there's it's not unreasonable to think that I think Hollins might be in the last year of his contract, and Preston might—they decide that it's time to move on from a you know a high, yet another high-priced veteran on the team. It seems to be they've been doing that across the whole roster the last couple of years. So I, I, I was kind of predicting that they would keep him, even though it's a sixth edge rusher and he might not um, play, maybe not at all this year, but he might be better than anybody they could get in the fourth round or later as a edge flyer next year.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it sounds like, uh, I mean, they really liked him. He had a really good preseason, I thought. And, you know, it, this was something we had been talking about you and I about like, yeah, like it's six edges, but I think him is the sixth. edge is better than like whatever extra mm-hmm. fifth corner or like sixth safety they might keep. So, and we'll and, talk yeah, about the and corners. We, and we've seen that we've seen with We've seen what that six safety looks like now. Yeah, and so th- it makes sense at the edge room. I don't expect Breton Cox to play much this year um, unless there's, like, injuries at the position. But I think he's definitely talented enough where they weren't going to get him back if they right. got him. He's like, if you have an edge rusher who looks like he could play some snaps in the NFL now, you weren't going to get him back. No, not at all. And, and it's it's a blessing to have an edge room this deep, really. Yeah.
1: Um, and and, and so- it sounds
0: like they're going to have Rashawn Gary on a pitch clock uh, or a pitch count. It's um was what Matt LaFleur was saying initially. Um, but Gary might be ready for week one, it sounds like, but they're not going to have him on a full complement of snaps initially. And, you know, you never know. Maybe those first few weeks, um, you know, someone gets a little, like, pulls a little something in, in practice leading up to it. Gary's on a pitch count, and then that player can't play, and suddenly they need Cox to play real snaps. You never know. Um, yeah. and, and the other thing that's kind of interesting, you mentioned this is like the third UDFA for this year.
1: And they had I think, 13 draft picks and kept 11 of them. Yep. Uh, and they had 11 draft picks last year that are still on the team now.
0: It's a very young team. It's the so youngest team.
1: It's 25 the young- players on the 53
0: just from the last two drafts. Well, did you – what was it? It's the youngest team – and we should have mentioned this at the beginning. Youngest team in the last six years yes. in the NFL? Yes. in the entire NFL, not just for the Packers. The youngest team in the entire NFL – over the last six years. The average age of the team is 24.9. It's
1: younger than me. Isn't that crazy to think about? It depends on how you have, how you uh, calculate it. I have seen that people are calculating just taking their listed age as opposed to uh, 25 and whatever. Ken Ingalls did this, actually. He said at like the number of days. And so then it's like more than 25 and a half. I forget the actual number if you figure out all the days. Of course, then I don't know how that compares to everybody else's. That's true. Um, it, they probably weren't calculated with that much uh, precision detail no. Um but it is so, so the youngest
0: in six years is kind of great. And so and that was, you know, the goal was to be more athletic and <laughs> and faster. The goal was to have like that's like saying like the goal is to have players with less wrinkles. Like uh, you know, our goal wasn't to be younger. Our goal was to I think it you know, actually our goal was to have players with cheap contracts. Also, yes, uh, they got a lot of dead money this year. Um, but Dad, do you want to anything else you wanted to touch on with the edge players? Or do you want to move on to linebackers? I think it's exciting to
1: have this much edge, edge depth. I don't know how long it's been since they had this many. Well, even the, like the whole front, um, the D-line and the edge together. I don't remember a time when they had this much potential pass rush up front. It's been a long time.
0: You know, you say that, but I, I, I'm going to push back and say the year that they had Zadarius, Preston, Gary, and Whitney Merciless. Was probably... Except they only had Z for like one game that year. That's true, but on paper. On paper, I think that was probably the best one. Because that's like...
1: That's was, insane. Yeah. That's it was, a
0: crazy well, four. Though their
1: their D-line wasn't as... that Wasn't as deep.
0: You know, I have questions about our D-line. You know, I am a little worried at how little we've seen from Wyatt in the preseason. He yeah. did not do a whole lot. He didn't beat out Slayton. He's I, Slayton we'll looks like he's improved a lot. We'll, and we'll see if Wooden and Brooks... How well they
1: perform when they're up against number ones instead of just. It seems clear that our number two D line is better better than than anybody else's number two O line, which is most teams. I would say most teams second. Our number two O line. I well, that's fair. Is kicking everybody else's number two. Our our number two. Our number one and number two O line.
0: They gave up like one one pressure all preseason. It's not much, whatever it was. It was not very many. Um, but let's move on to linebacker dad, where the Packers kept four linebackers, Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker, Isaiah McDuffie, Eric Wilson. And this kind of just, to me, came that down they, to- That they have on the 53 that, right yes, now. Yes, and they kept Carpenter initially too, but then they released him. And uh, to add um, Zane Anderson, who we'll talk about a little bit, he is a safety. Uh, but it kind of just seemed like it would come down to which of Eric Wilson and Carpenter they like more. They seem to like Wilson more. I think that's the right choice. I think Wilson's a more experienced player. I think he's a better special team player. Um, What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah. So what they've ended up with now after the
1: waiver claims is what I was predicting, where they'd have four linebackers, Campbell, Walker, McDuffie, and and Wilson being the fourth. Because I thought he looked better when he was in on defense than Carpenter. In terms of Carpenter, he makes some splash plays, but also takes some bad angles and get beat. He's and, just
0: he's just inexperienced at the position, and, and, and there were reports that he didn't really want to play linebacker anyway. So it's like okay, you know, go you play play somewhere that'll let you play safety. I think he signed with the Steelers practice squad, um, but yeah, that yes, I, so he he made it through waivers without being claimed and signed with the Steelers um,
1: today. And so I think this was the most likely. Having five inside linebackers seemed like a bit rich.
0: For the position, especially when the fourth one is already a special team right, only player, like right. you don't want with, him to with play two stats. of them.
1: Two of them being special teamers, yeah. And McDuffie's, even though he's the third linebacker, is also probably going to play a lot of special teams.
0: Yeah, and you know, I thought McDuffie looked pretty good in uh, his his preseason action that we saw. He's, he was he's just a little small, and the problem is sometimes he gets bullied by offensive linemen. And with with Candle right. out, he was on the field a lot
1: as the sometimes the solo linebacker.
0: Yeah, and uh I think. It was either Gutekinds or LaFleur said they are hopeful that Campbell will be able to play week one, which is good news. There was a bit of a question mark there. Um, But definitely something to keep an eye on and something we'll talk about in uh, next week's episode. Um, Let's move on to corner, though, Dad. Uh, Only four of them. Jair Alexander, Rasul Douglas, Keyshawn Nixon, Carrington Valentine. And then keep in mind that Eric Stokes is still on PUP. He will have to miss at least the first four weeks. Um, This is maybe the biggest surprise
1: of the entire roster to go into a season with only four corners. If you look, and that's by far the lightest they've had. Well, not by far. It's the only time they've had four in the last six years. They had twice, five, two times they had five, and two times they had six.
0: Yeah, and the thing here, I think, you know, optimistically you could say, oh, maybe it means that they're they're feeling that Stokes will be back week five and that they they can kind of make it to there with four corners. At the same time, they also have three corners on the practice squad who they could call up. Um, in, Innis Gaines, um, Corey Ballantyne and, uh, Keandre Thomas. Uh, so I would not be surprised if we saw some of those guys get called up. Um, but you know, definitely a little bit tight at the corner room. Uh, probably going to be seeing a lot of, a lot of extra safeties playing some of those dime snaps, I would imagine. Yeah. So this is, so my thoughts about this, I only, four seems kind of low. I kept l- looking
1: for. One of the others, like I was thinking, maybe Valentine was gonna be added. Though I was going back and forth, is it going to be Valentine? Is it going to be Gaines? Is it could be John Charles, based on who just made a good play that day. So in the end, I ended up I had Ballantine's my fifth one. So and and he and, and but maybe the plan for now is I'll call somebody up for the first few weeks to have a fifth corner, or maybe Savage is just going to be in the slot in a pinch if they need another corner, and then we'll end up with you know going further down the safety depth chart.
0: Yeah, but it's it's a bit of a plateau. Is all I'm gonna say. The further you go down the safety, the you try. think all, that's a plateau? It's a valley. It's a very <laughs> yeah, very long valley. <laughs> no plateau. <laughs> but anyway, that's the that's the corner. Um, onto safeties where they kept uh they kept five initially and then signed Zane Anderson uh, or claimed Zane Anderson off waivers. I should say, uh, Darnell Savage, Rudy Ford, Jonathan Owens, Anthony Johnson Jr., Dolan Levitt, the Immortal One, and Zane Anderson. Um. Dad, what a safety room! I mean, just loaded with talent. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about Zane Anderson, the newest so, packer? So he's listed, So
1: I've seen him listed as a safety in some sites. Sometimes listed as a corner. He was claimed off waivers after the Bills cut him. He actually spent the last two years on Chiefs the Chiefs practice squad. He's pretty athletic uh, as a free safety. Has a ras of eight point two six with good size, good speed, and great agility. Um, but he seems like yet another special teamer. Um, he was better in sp- his special team snaps than on defense at BYU, and he has, I think, one NFL snap over his career, um, which is a little unclear what that is. It may have been, like, lined up as special teams, but then was a fake or something. But he, he seems like yet enough. So the safety room is a little bit odd in some ways. That They have six of them, and at least two of them seem to be only special teamers, I think. I think Zane Anderson and Levitt, they have to be really desperate. I think to put those two guys out of safeties, I think their plan is for them to be core special teamers.
0: Yeah. And for Anderson, you know, for him, I think he's very similar to Carpenter in my mind. Um, last year he did though, play on, he played on kick coverage, kick return, punt coverage and punt return. So he's got some versatility that that's per PFF, um, versatility as a special teamer. Uh it feels like he's a little redundant with dallin Levitt, uh, but you know, I I guess you know if if this is the price of having average special teams, I suppose we we will gladly pay it because we've seen the alternative. And if yeah. and if the fifty third man on the roster has to be a special team only guy for us to have the thirteenth ranked special teams, it's that's okay. It's fine enough. Where whatever. Yeah. What,
1: what what's it? I mean, they should have just have a separate category here for position and not try to squeeze them into one of the other positions. Cause it's really like we have a special team slot for Levitt and seems like Zane Anderson and maybe Eric Wilson. And, but you know, one thing is like Ford, I think was originally signed to be a special team. I remember when he first came in last year, he was like, he was, he was like a gunner. We think about, it. Oh man, with, with him and, and Keyshawn, as gunners, like on top of the, and he was a punt returner every time.
0: He was an insane gunner. Like when I, like when you watch him as a gunner, and they slowly stopped having him do it as much, and as that, he took well, on and, more of a role in safety. Now he's one of our two starting safeties, which is probably not ideal, but don't worry about it. It'll be and, fine. And it's and a I,
1: growth year. And so I had had in my initial one, I, I had one of the safeties wrong here. I had I had Tarvarius Moore instead of Jonathan Owens, and I didn't get around to updating yet after Moore got hurt, or maybe I thought was was uh, listening to
0: them saying that he would be back soon. But on the plus side, Smoon Biles is still a Packers fan. Yes, that is definitely a plus. Um, moving on to special teams, though, because I think, you know, the safety room's not the best. It, it is what it is. Um, special teams, Anders Carlson, kicker. Uh, Daniel Whelan, punter, and he has changed numbers from 41 to 19, so thank goodness for that, because 41 was an awful punter number. Uh, and then Matt Orzek, long snapper. Um, my thoughts is that it's exciting for Whelan. I read that he is the first Irish-born... Uh, NFL player in the last 40 years. Um, according to Justice Mosqueda, uh, this is some real special team sicko stuff, so shout out him for charting this, but Carlson was 4 for 4 on kicks um, in preseason while Whelan was holding, so that's a good sign because I think that was my biggest concern with keeping Whelan instead of O'Donnell. Was like, uh, I think the most important thing is that Carlson feels comfortable in the whole operation there and maybe he'd feel more comfortable with O'Donnell, but um, he was perfect with Whelan holding in preseason. Um, I it, It's it's not going to stay perfect, but, you know, that's at least something. Uh, And then they saved a lot of money by keeping Whelan. Um, the Packers also gamed the system with Orzek by kind of cutting him and then re-adding him. Uh, Dad, do you want to talk a bit about that? Shout out to him for letting us do that. Right, so it seems like the Packers and Orzek had a
1: deal before he was cut that he would re-sign. And the way, reason they were able to do this is that Orzek was a vested veteran, which means he cannot be claimed off waivers. So nobody can sign him and keep the Packers from getting him without like Orzek's consent. And so they were able to sign him and say, "Okay, we got a deal. We're gonna we're gonna cut you for now, just so we can stash somebody on IR after the the, the final cutdowns, and then sign him back," which they did. The other thing I wanted to say about you know, Whelan is. The holding was I, – I thought if he can't be a holder, then you, I think it would have gone with O'Donnell because Whelan's got a – looks like a much stronger leg, much more hang time, able to boom it further downfield. One of O'Donnell's things is sort of the ability to kind of put it in the corner or pin deep close to the goal line from a position that a lot of people would say you should never punt from again anyway
0: when you're yeah. in like midfield. And I think Zach Cruz had this on Twitter. I mean, O'Donnell wasn't great for the Packers last year. Uh, this was this was uh, Zach Cruz on Twitter, like I said. He was PFF's number 28 overall punter last year. He was 29th in net punting average, and he was 33rd in hang time. So it's not like O'Donnell was doing a whole lot of, like, completely irreplaceable punting last year for the Packers. Uh, just, like, as a note. like So, you know, it's not like they're cutting like a top 10 level punter for this like unproven rookie who was also, I read the all XFL punter uh, this past year in the, uh, in the XFL. I believe I read.
1: Uh, I, I think i missed it. He was the uh, whatever first team, all XFL punter or so I had this, but I, but I know he's like, Emery was talking in, in the practices about how much he was like booming punts and like timing, like um, plus five second uh, hang times and that it all looked like it was, uh, he was really doing well.
0: Yeah, and then, so beyond that, uh, I don't really have any other notes. I think it's not surprising that it's Orzek and Carlson. Um, Beyond that 53, though, on the PUP, they had Eric Stokes, so that means he has to miss at least four weeks. Um, On IR, they have Tyler Davis, which will be season-ending, and then Luke Tenuta on short-term IR. He will also have to miss at least four weeks. Um, Players that they waived with injury designations that reverted to Packers IR um these are players that's kinda of likely will be cut with injury settlements, and that means they will probably not end back end they will not end up back with the Packers. Um, but we don't know yet uh as to the like finality of that. And that's Tarvarius Moore, uh the safety, Broughton Hatcher, the long snapper, Tyler Goodson and Lou Nichols running backs. Um just a shame that none of them really got much of a chance with their injuries. Um Dad, anything on those before we talk a little bit about the practice squad? Yeah, I'd say both both Tyler Goodson
1: and Lou Nichols had their sort of Training camp cut short by injuries and didn't and didn't really get a chance to finish their audition. You might say for the spot.
0: Yeah, and and it's a real shame because you know I I think they were excited about Lou Nichols. They spent a draft pick on him. I was really excited about Goodson because you know he had looked so good last preseason, and it had been a shame he didn't make the team last year. And then it felt like this year he was coming back, and he had said like it's like it's not like it's a failure if I don't make the fifty three this year, and to have it kind of taken out of his hands really sucks. Um but on to the practice squad for the Packers. Um, they have 17 spots this year because of the uh, exemption for Kenneth uh, Odomegu, um because of the international pathway program. Um, but they kept uh, Austin Allen, uh, tight end, Corey Ballantyne corner, Keyshawn Banks edge, Grant Tabo's wide receiver, James MP, center, Enos Gaines listed as a safety in the corner, but he's really more of just a slot corner right now, Alex Magoo at quarterback, Bo Melton wide receiver, Aaron Mosby edge, uh, Henry Pearson, fullback, Benny sap, uh, safety, Chris Slayton D line, Patrick Taylor, running back, Kadeem Telford, O line, Keandre Thomas, a corner, uh, Christian Welch linebacker who was with the Ravens and then signed Thursday, uh, possibly instead of Ford, uh, something to keep an eye on there. If Ford ends up at coming in and possibly maybe taking Chris Slayton's spot, unclear, that's all just speculation. Uh, and then Otomegu, like we said, um, kind of makes sense. Uh, it makes sense to have three corners there when you only have four corners on the roster. um, dad any other thoughts I thought Pearson looked good in camp uh Bo Melton is a real like speedster and good special teamer Austin Allen I think had his moments in preseason games um I thought Keyshawn Banks had a really good preseason and then they're just stacked with edges right now um anything else you wanted to add there yeah I would I would say the the
1: one thing that surprises me right now is that they haven't brought Ford back and so the two so today would have been the day they could first sign back Ford and Carpenter, who were cut when they got their waiver claims for Sims and, um, and Zane Zane Anderson. Yeah, I was gonna say Zane Zane. <laughs> um, and so I I was I was expecting that they were actually gonna, and they had one spot left open today because they they had only signed sixteen to the practice squad and they are able to have 17 because of the international, uh, player program. And, and so, but they, but instead of signing Ford, well, or either one Carpenter went to the Steelers and they signed Chris, Christian Welch as a linebacker. So we'll see what happens with Ford. He's, he's basically a free agent. now; can go wherever he wants. Um, we have, he has not yet as far as at, at the time of this recording signed with anyone. We don't know if he wants to come back to the Packers. Maybe he wants to go somewhere else. I just, Total speculation at this point. Um, in terms of other Packers players who were cut in and have gone elsewhere, uh, Shamar G- John Charles
0: signed to the 49ers practice squad after he was cut. Um, and, and it th- sounded like they wanted to bring him back, but because uh, the initial reporting was they cut him with, like, and uh, whoever reported was, like, they're interested in bringing him back to the practice squad. But it sounded like he was like, okay, like, I've, I've been here a few years. I've never really been able to kind of, like, break through to, like, getting a real, like, spot on the roster. Or like getting real playing time, I'm gonna go try and get that playing time somewhere else. Which is like fair enough, you know.
1: Yeah, and was it kinda of another interesting note on the whole waiver claim process? So the, the Packers had put, um were able to get two waiver claims in Simpson Anderson, but they actually put in a third for Elijah Higgins, who is a rookie from Stanford. He played wide receiver at Stanford, is apparently converting to tight end in the NFL. So he's, he's a big body receiver. Um, And he had the most claims of any player with five teams interested in grabbing him. And so he ended up going to the Cardinals who had the highest priority um, and the Packers missed out on him. And so that's kind of interesting in light of maybe they were thinking of him as a tight end as well.
0: Yeah, and that kind of wraps up what we had to say about the roster. But one last thing is because everything should be a competition, you know, got to go out there and compete. Um, We have to look at how we did on our 53-man roster projections, Dad. And looking at it, um, we we're actually really close this year. Uh, we both got 48 out of 53 right. Uh, missing a handful there. And we went to our tiebreaker of practice squad picks. I got 8 of 16. I got 10 of 16. And um, so
1: you know who wins.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately... Winner,
1: winner, winner chicken dinner. The,
0: the old man got 10 of 16. Every dog has his day. Deadpool wins. A, a broken clock is right twice a day. Whatever, Whatever phrase you want to use i was beaten this year by a hair by two players That's on the practice two, squad two two not two, one not yeah. one, two. By two players on a That's practice squad with a tiebreaker but anyway i'll get you next year <laughs> but anyway thank you so much for listening like we said we'll be doing a pregame pod next week for the bears game for opening uh night for the or opening day for the packers i guess is a day game um like we said we're gonna move to two episodes a week after that which is very exciting. Um, If you like what you heard here, come give us a follow on Twitter at FatherSonPacker. Like we said, we tweet out uh, articles, news, videos, uh, when we have new episodes, etc., etc. Come subscribe to us on YouTube, your podcast platform of choice, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you can find podcasts. Thanks again so much for listening. We'll be around with everything you need Packers-wise all throughout this year. Very exciting. Going into our second year, we got some great new stuff coming for you. And until next time, Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.